Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you bi-weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from virtual CFOs, CPAs, and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you the results you need both in business and building the life you deserve. Thank you for joining us for episode 118 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and today we are talking about work, life, growing a business, and trying to keep your sanity while doing it all. (laughs) And I am thrilled to welcome our guest on today's show because I think our entire firm subscribes to her newsletter and we love to share it with everyone we know. The topics are amazing that you share and we love just sharing that with our community and amongst ourselves. And we have like side conversations. Hey, did you see the newsletter? This is a really good topic. Like how can we incorporate this? So if you haven't done that, I'm going to tease that already. (laughs) Um, She is the host of the podcast, Breaking Beliefs, and is an Inc. and entrepreneur.com contributor, author of the book, Business Balance and Bliss, one of the most powerful women in accounting, board member and corporate advisor, I am so thrilled to welcome Amy Vetter. Welcome to the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I love hearing that you guys are using the newsletters. That's what we hope when we put out this content, that it is helpful. And sometimes we don't always know how it's being used. So whenever people tell us, it always makes us feel good that it's all worth it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And as the, the marketing person here, I'm in charge of putting our newsletter together. So whenever I get a response back from a reader or, you know, wow, this really helped me or something like that. It really makes a big impact because you're kind of like putting this out into the void, right? Like you don't know the faces of the people that you're sending this out to. We have a whole list of names and you have like the best intentions when you're putting these things together, but it truly is. It's very helpful and it's thought provoking and it's not just junk that you delete and yours is not one So for sure, go track it down and subscribe if you're not subscribed yet. Awesome. So uh, one of the the biggest things that we love about just what you present to the world and the way that you talk about things is the concept of work-life balance. And this is something that I know our firm and, and all of us here, we started our firm back in 2015. And it was started with this idea that, hey, we shouldn't have to be behind a desk for 80 hours a week, right? right. Hide in an office in order to earn a living it just doesn't make sense, right? So we started this whole thing and it's been through iterations and we've grown over the past years, but this whole concept of like work-life balance and everybody, you know, back in 2015, that was like the the tag word, right? Like everyone, work-life balance. And we all had this great intention of like, oh, we're going to achieve that, right? And I became a mom at the same time that I joined this team here. So it was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be able to be a mom and like not have to travel anymore. And it's going to be like this perfect balance. Then you quickly get into it. You're like, am I doing something wrong? Like, what am I not getting here? And I love the way that you approach this. So I just want to toss it over to you and just kind of hear your ideas about like this work-life balance theme, where you've come from and how you talk about that to your audience now. Yeah. So first thing I'll start with, is I actually changed the term work-life balance to work-life harmony. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I did is for exactly 
what you're describing is our life is ebb and flow mm -hmm. and it's very hard to make it equal every single day. And there might be more personal time than business time and more business time than personal time. Right now mm -hmm. I'm going through a move. So, you know, everything has to shift. So that becomes a priority. And then you've got to figure out what's your most important things in business to make sure right. that you're doing that. And I've got a son that is entering college and trying to keep up with all the things he needs to do. So there's just different priorities that happen. And really what this is about is the no judgment on work-life balance, because I have definitely felt over time that there is a stressor around that term and people will look to other people and say, well, they've got it why don't I have it? Or we don't really know that they've got it. It just might appear that way to the outside world. And it's really important that we're more vulnerable, authentic about really how we show up and what our life's like and what, you know, things are happening in our day and how do we prioritize and set boundaries. And so I, I work with a lot of accounting firms and really kind of going back to what you said with the intention of, we don't want to burn out our people. We don't want to create that environment, but it does take parameters and rules of engagement and structure in order to do that. And when that's not in place, you can have the best intentions, but it still can go off the rails because at the end of the day, it's a client service business. Mm -hmm. And if we're not prepping people for how to communicate with clients, how to reprioritize clients, how to collaborate and be a team on clients and how to set boundaries between when we get messages and when we don't get messages and be okay to be really clear what your schedule is so that if someone is messaging you on your off time, that you don't feel bad not responding right away, that it's really clear and all of that's transparent. And without that open communication, the rules of engagement and the boundaries set up in the organization, even with the best intentions, sometimes it goes off the rails. I think that's a great point because everybody's perception of that harmony or that integration or whatever word you want to use is different too, right? So mm -hmm. the boundaries are critical because along the way, that's something that we've found too, is like my perception of the perfect integration is completely different than the next person's, right? So we yes. have to have this like agreed upon structure, right? Where we're, we're working within the boundaries of that and it's okay if you have a different concept and there's ways to work that in, but that's a difficult part of that because everybody's just so different. Working 60 hours a week might be work-life balance or work-life integration for one person. And then working 20 <laughs> might be the, you know, so it's just, right. that's the hard part is just so open to interpretation too. So how do you go about trying to find a balance? Have you run into that where there's like one end of the spectrum versus the other end and trying to bring that to a cohesive plan? Yeah, absolutely. And so this work that I do with accounting firms, I see it all the time, ex exactly what you are describing. And part of it is at the partner level, mm -hmm. many times, 
they don't mind working the hours that they work. They actually enjoy the client work. Right. Right. <laughs> they enjoy, like, if you ask what their hobby is, that is their hobby. They, they like <laughs> yeah. the work. And so sometimes you have to wrap your head around that because it's not exactly what you would think as being relaxing or, you know, something that feeds you. Mm -hmm. But if it does, it does. Right. The problem is that when leaders work the 60 hours a week, they're giving a message to everyone around them that that is required, unless they're very clear about it. And I'll give you an example of one of the firms I was just working with that the staff, when I interviewed the staff going into the firm, and so this was an engagement to help them really transform their workplace. They wanted to make sure that, that they were having a workplace where people wanted to stay. And one of the comments that kept coming up from the staff is saying, they tell us that we can have this flexibility or whatever, but the partners don't take it. They're working through the weekends. And I just don't see my future of working through the weekends. I don't know how I'm going to balance family and so forth. And when I talk to the partners about it, they're like, well, they don't know that Friday afternoon I took off to go golfing. And so I worked on Saturday. And that can be that lack of transparency that is happening mm -hmm. of what people's work schedule is. And you've got this difference in generations where my generation was taught a lot different about what is acceptable or not acceptable. So even if they took the Friday off, they're kind of hiding it because right. in their head, what the perception of that is where a younger generation is like, oh, I'm glad to see that my partner is taking off Friday afternoons and I'm going to respect them to take that Friday afternoon off. So it's, mm -hmm. it's changing and it has to change at the leadership level. I mean, if it's not changed at the leadership level, it never works at any other spectrum. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard because we all have bias, you know, whether it's conscious or unconscious of how we think people should work because of the way we worked to get to where we are today. Right. And so the problem is if we have that bias, we have to break it. We have to break that mindset of realizing that someone can work between five o'clock and midnight and be just as productive. Right. If they're not meant to be in a client meeting or whatever, but if, if they're just getting their own work done and that's their work, and then how are you going to work within those constraints and accept that and not limit someone's career because it's not your typical 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., right? So it has to start at the top, absolutely from the leadership perspective, because that visual in the rest of the organization is really important. And if it is that I really like working 60 hours a week, busy season or not busy season, then I need to say that. And I need to say to my staff, even though that's the way I work, I am not expecting you to work like that. And that I'm putting the requirements in place in my organization or the framework in place where people can say freely, you know, I take 12 to two off every day to go to a yoga class and then I'll be back for calls. I'm putting on my do not disturb in Teams or Slack, whatever I use. I'm making sure my notifications are off and so forth. If I am someone that works at night, my expectation of that person that works at night is that 
they will schedule their emails to go out in the morning or put them as drafts, whatever you need to do. So you aren't bothering people that are choosing not to work at night. Because the problem is if I am a partner or manager or supervisor, and I email someone at eight o'clock at night, even though that's the time I'm working, but I'm not expecting an answer, guess what? They're going to answer me because they're going to be afraid if they don't answer, they're going to be in trouble if I'm not monitoring my own behavior as well. Yeah. I think that's a great point as far as communication and setting and keeping those expectations too. That's, that's huge. So I want to transition to kind of what I talked about in the beginning as far as like, oh, I want to achieve this work-life balance. And once I get there, I'm going to be so happy. (laughs) And and I watched your TEDx speech and it just really hit home as far as like being an overachiever and constantly feeling like I have to have a goal to get to. And then telling myself, once I get there, I'm going to be so happy. And once I get there, and then the goalpost just keeps moving and moving and moving. And there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about with you on today's show. One of those was trying something new that scares you because I loved that piece of that. And then thinking about what made you happy as a kid, because those were the two that really hit home that I thought would be valuable in, in today's conversation too, as far as finding that balance and and what are some things that you can actually do to try to work on that? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the second one first, because I think it leads to the thing that scares you, right? Is many of us choose our careers based on our knowledge as an 18 year old, (laughs) what our skill sets are, my son's choosing majors and that's one thing I keep saying to him, like, don't lock yourself down, make sure you have the opportunities available, but you're taking full advantage of your college experience so that you can evaluate this because so many of us, whatever our degree was, that's not actually what we're doing later mm-hmm. or we're in this career and keep pushing against something, but maybe it wasn't something that aligned. It was someone told us mm-hmm. to do that. That's what you're supposed uh, to do, right? Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as a creative person growing up, I was a musician, I was an artist. And I was just telling this to my son, which is so recent, it's fresh. But one of the degrees he's looking at is architecture. And we walked in the design rooms and I was like salivating. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know college could feel like this, right? Like where you could be like, you know, drawing and creating. And, you know, I thought, you know, it had to be hardcore and, and, you know, not enjoy it. You're not supposed to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> that's what my intention was to, or my, my understanding of college, I guess, when I went into it, it's like, you're, you're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to be a grind, yeah. supposed, you know, yeah. I think that's what most people go into college. Thinking. But they are working hard, you know, and I think that creative side of all of us gets lost a lot in the process. So with my son, he also has a big business mind. So I keep trying to talk to him about minors or what to master in with it. And we were actually looking at a finance minor. And while we were at the school a couple of weeks ago, one of the finance professors actually came in the room while we were talking. He started explaining some of the courses that would be in the minor. And he said, what's your degree? And I think this is really important. This actually has to do with my new book as well, of belief systems that kind of drive your decisions away if you're listening to the wrong people (laughs) and 
my son told him, well, I'm going to major in architecture, but I want a minor in finance. He's like, well, that isn't typical. <laughs> and so he said, why? And he's like, most people don't use both sides of their brain. And I said, mm, not true. <laughs> so, it's like these, these stories that have just yes. become concrete in culture that like, oh, yes. well, this is what we tell people. That if you go into numbers, then you've got to lose your creative side. And business is creative. Everything right. about business is creative. And being an accountant every day is creative because new regulation comes out, new standards mm -hmm. come out, and you immediately have to get creative of how you're going to change an engagement and be able yeah. to complete that work. So we have the creativity. Sometimes we don't give ourselves the credit to it, or we forget the things younger that got squashed because of messages like that, that got told to us. Well, if you if you really want to be good at finance and you're going to have to give up the art side. Yep. And that's not true. The whole reason we were looking at it was so he could one day run his own real estate business and build his own house. But <laughs> you know, that wasn't this guy's vision, right? Right. And so, so many of us get told things that become beliefs and we start pushing down things that as children were our strengths. And they don't necessarily have to be the arts. It could be playing outside. It could be, you know, knitting. It could be taking walks, what, whatever it is that when you think about a moment when you were a child and time just disappeared, those are the moments that we want to recapture as adults. That is work-life harmony. Work-life harmony also includes being healthy and exercise and all of those things. But what I'm talking about is freeing up your mind, freeing up your brain from the pressures that it has all day long. But in order for us to free that up, we have to be able to identify what is the feeling that we want to have each day. This is the bliss of business balance and bliss. So if I can go back, imagine myself as a child, when time disappeared, it was three hours and I thought it was five minutes. The thing that comes to you, that's the bliss. That's what you want to get back to each day as an adult. Mm -hmm. So you know the feeling, you, you capture that feeling, and then you decide what are the things that I can do in my life to harmonize it so I can feel those bliss moments and maintain that each day. And that is our responsibility to do that. It's, you know, often we look to the outside or we get stressed at work or have different ups and downs in our lives. Just like you said, we think we figured it out and then something else in our life happens that you cannot control. This is life. So the goal with all this is awareness, is that we come into a place of awareness when we're feeling off, that we thought we got this, we thought we were feeling good. Guess what? Something happened and now I'm off again. But instead of pushing through it, like you might've done before, this is about being aware when you're feeling off and then stepping back and pausing and saying, what's causing that feeling? And what are the things that I can do differently to make little changes? It's not always necessarily big changes. Yeah. And I think that's a great point too, is because again, something that we're taught when we're young or that at least I was taught is like, you kind of just push through those hard things, right? You just push through it, mm -hmm. you work through it, you get through it and, you know, move on to the next day, the next hard thing. But taking that time to be aware of what's happening and kind of reassess and like, 
well, why is this happening? And understanding on a deeper level rather than just, well, just push through, just work through, you can, you can do it, you know? And the conclusion that I come to is just like, oh, just power through. So I think that's a good point is just kind of stepping back and paying attention to why are those feelings coming up. And not judging it. So I think that's our human response is that mm-hmm. we, we start feeling bad. We don't know why we're feeling bad. We can't identify it right away. Mm-hmm. And then we judge ourselves. Like, how could I be feeling like this when I've got all these great things in our life and I've been given so many things and then I'm feeling bad or someone's got it worse, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that judgment, that negative self-talk in our head takes away from the observation. And so The difference is not judging how you're feeling, instead stepping back, pausing and observing, and then noting what comes up for you through allowing yourself to get silent and still, which is the hardest thing for adults to do. Yeah. Right? Like, we've got so many demands. And I can tell you as a yoga instructor and a yoga studio owner, people are a lot of times more afraid of going into a yoga class than CrossFit. (laughs) because of being alone on the mat, right? Like Mm -hmm. it it is, you know, that courage to be with yourself and allow those thoughts to come up, observe them, and then decide what action or not action or whether it serves you or doesn't serve you and let it go. And so that's a really important piece of this. And when you talk about what scares you, that could be the thing that scares you is just getting still. It's just getting silent. It's just doing nothing. Yeah. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing to actually go through and sit in the muck when you need to sit there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. I want to circle back to that too, is doing the thing that scares you because I think there's this contrast between being a kid and being an adult too, is we kind of get into who we are and we tell ourselves these stories of, I am this, I am that. And when we're a kid, we're not afraid to try something new because it's okay. Everything's new when you're a kid. You're not supposed to be good at anything. You're a kid. So the world is your oyster. You can try different things out. And as we grow older, we're supposed to know what we're doing. We're supposed to have answers. So it becomes harder to try new things. And it becomes this scary thing of like, I don't want to try rollerblading because I'm going to look like an idiot (laughs) or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. I've always wanted to do it, but what if this, what if that? And you talk yourself out of it because it's the scary thing that you don't want to do. So why do you encourage people to do something that scares you? Well, the first thing I'm going to say with that is getting past our ego. The ego is the root of all unhappiness. And it is important for us to understand when that rises for us. And a lot of times in the workplace, where it rises is new ideas come up and that gets squashed because this is the way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. Because of the same thing, the fear of the unknown, what if I'm not good at that? What if I'm not as good at my job if I take on a new thing and then I impede progress? because of that thing, or I turned somebody else off because I wasn't willing to just try it, take a risk in a small way. You don't have to make it a huge risk, but figure out how you go about researching things as well. And so why I say that is because that gets in the way of adults learning and getting back to what I call the beginner's mind. So you know, you bring up about children, children all through the day are going to art, to math, to science, to history. The neural channels are switching Mm -hmm. all day long. Mm -hmm. 
And they're not good at all those subjects and they still have to go sit in those classes no matter what and, and work on the classes they're not good at so that they can pass, right? The ones that come easy, those are the fun ones to go to. Mm -hmm. Well, when we go into college and go into our careers, we pick the ones that are easy for us, like that come more naturally to us. But life changes, the work changes. And if we don't in our personal life, try new things to remember how to learn again, it's hard to bring that innovation and that executive level thinking into your business as well. For myself, I grew up playing violin and viola and I always loved rock music. And when my kids were young and picking instruments, my son played guitar, my other son did drums and he sang. So I decided to learn the bass guitar. You know, I can back in them and I get to play rock music and so forth. So yeah. I went to the music school and I asked them what their adult program was. And they said, it's all beginners. You'll be fine. And I went and got my new bass and I was all excited. And then I go to the first rehearsal and I realized I'm the only real beginner. Oh. All the men that were there no. have been playing in their basement. They had just never come out of their basement right. since they were a teenager. So they had never played in a band or on a stage. And their skill set was way beyond my skill set. And so in the beginning, I felt stupid and, you know, I, I'm not going to get this. And then I started realizing. I don't care. I don't have to be perfect at this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am playing rock music. And so that is something that we have to remember in business because we don't always have to be the perfect one or the one that does it the best. We can find the people that offset us in our own band or team because we need to find those gaps of things that we're not as good at and make sure that someone that is good at that fills it and trusts them, empowers them, delegates to them, which is an important part of creating your own work-life harmony, mm -hmm. but also understanding what's important and what's not important. And I think, you know, that was a big observation for myself being a type A as well, is I expected to be the best and I was not the best. I just like to play the bass. <laughs> And it's okay and, to just do things for fun, even as an adult. Yes. One of the things we do is put up so many barriers to getting back to things we enjoyed as children. Or even in this example, I evolved it to rock music. I didn't go back to violin or viola because what I realized about that, I, I had picked it up again. I'm like, you know what? It's too personal for me. That was a serious thing. Like I was competing. Mm. It was all about auditions. So now as an adult, when I don't sound like I did in high school, it really isn't fun. Yeah. But I can be mediocre at base and still have fun because it's not personal. Right. 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 But I get to play music and I get to enjoy that. So I think it's really important because what I hear a lot is like, well, where do I start? What classes do I need to take? What do I need to learn? You just have to go do it. Mm -hmm. you, everyone has to start somewhere. And I say in the yoga classes all the time is everyone's so concerned about the person next to them, or they might fall or whatever. And it's really to respect the experience of the people around you. Everyone started not being able to touch their toes, right? Everyone started in that spot. But if someone decided to practice three days a week for the next five years, and they've evolved, you shouldn't come into a yoga room being able to do the exact same Perfect. thing as them. And, and they respect the fact that you're new, they've been there, mm -hmm. and they're excited for someone else 
to join them. And that's what we have to realize is we put up all these barriers and we're so hard on ourselves that it actually impedes us from having those moments of enjoyment and those places of pause that we need. Yeah, I think that's a great way to draw the line too between those classes and trying to start something new and trying to find a hobby or something like that and drawing that line and the distinction to what that means in business. And I like how you took Mm -hmm. that back too. And it's true what they say, like comparison is the thief of joy, right? Because (laughs) anytime you go on social media and try to compare yourself to anybody or when you take a class, it's, it's the same thing, right? You're constantly comparing yourself and telling yourself, well, why aren't I that person? Or you look at another business. Well, why isn't our business where where they are? You don't know the back end of any of that. You don't know, have they been in business for 20 years and you just started two years ago? It's a unique personal journey. And I think that that's a great point as well. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and wrap up here. But one of the things that I know before we go, I want to remind everybody again to subscribe to your newsletter because it's amazing. And the new book coming out as well at the end of the month, right? Yes. So on April 25th, I have my third book coming out. It's called Disconnect to Connect. Tap into the power within you to create the life you desire. And it's very much what I consider a prequel to Business Balance and Bliss, where it is the work that you have to do internally so that you can then go on the journey of the exploration of how you shift your life. Right. And so that work is the hard work that personal work. I share a lot of personal stories in this book and also those of others, as well as a lot of research and actionable things that you can start doing in your life. But it's all about these belief systems that hinder us Mm -hmm. from trying new things, from believing that things are possible for us, or even just being okay with who we are, Because maybe someone else told us that we were not okay. Mm -hmm. And there's generational patterns that happen that I talk about in this book. But there's also, just like we talked about things that happen at school, there's your first bosses and managers and just all these different voices that kind of create the belief systems that we have. And so this book is really about stepping back on those belief systems, how to assess what is yours, what somebody else's, and how to create new habits based on what you align to. And the most important part of this is leading into the book, what I call becoming a connected leader, is that when we do this work ourselves, we're better able to understand others that we're leading or that are our coworkers and being able to nurture them. So all these mm-hmm. things we talked about in the beginning When we tap into this ourselves, then we can have a better understanding of people's different work styles and so forth and not get frustrated that they're not our work style. And once we see that everyone goes through stuff, we see people more human in the workplace Mm -hmm. and we can better connect with them so that we create better energy for ourselves and the people around us. Oh, that's great. And can people find this on your website? Yeah. So on amyvetter.com, we have under my books, a page just for this book. So you can read up on it and there it will be launched April 25th. And so that it will be on Amazon that day. There'll be a link on that page too, to be able to get that book that day. How exciting. All right. Yeah. Well, I have new reading material that I got to get now. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Great. I'm so excited for this book and to continue to follow you on your journey and just everything that you put out is so good. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing your perspective with our audience because I think it's really valuable and I'm excited to get this out there, share everything that you've given us today. So thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Keep that momentum going and we'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.